Today we begin year three of our narrative lectionary, and the lectionary is the cycle of readings that we use each week in worship. Uh, the narrative lectionary is on a four-year cycle, and each fall we look at stories from the Hebrew scriptures about how God related to the people of Israel. Then around Christmas we move into the Gospels and we follow one Gospel uh, throughout the course of Jesus' life. This year the Gospel is uh, Luke. And then after Easter we move into um, stories from the Epistles, the letters, and the growth of the early church. And so today we are going to begin uh, back at the beginning with Genesis 2 and 3. These are origin stories, which means they are stories that the Hebrew people told uh, to help them understand themselves, who they were, and how they were called to live in the world. These are not meant to be factual stories. Uh, these are really meant to be meaning-making stories, to help them understand something about who they are uh, and how they're called to live in their lives. Um, so today, in Genesis 2, we're going to start with the second of two creation stories. And a good way to think about these creation stories um, is as a pair of bifocals, where Genesis 1 is like looking through the top. It's a, it's a big picture of God. Uh, God is sort of this uh, distant, powerful God who is in the ethos and says, let there be light, and then there's light, and it's good. And God makes these pronouncements and builds uh, creation in six days. And on the sixth day, it says God uh, creates um, human beings in the image of God. And so God is uh, portrayed in this as sort of a, a powerful, um, transcendent God. Well, the creation story that we get in chapter 2 is like looking through the bottom of the bifocals, the readers. It's the close-up version of God, a God who is walking around uh, on the earth, who is digging in the mud and the dirt, who has a personal, intimate relationship with uh, the humans that God creates. And so um, it's, a, it's a really beautiful story where we can see both aspects of God in these creation stories. So today we're going to hear about how God creates Adam and Eve, uh, sets some limits for them that are supposed to be for their own good, and then what happens when Adam and Eve push these limits. And so we'll be thinking about what that means for us today. Let us listen for the word of God. Good morning. This is a reading from the book of Genesis. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the human from the dust of the ground and breathed into their nostrils the breath of life and the human became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there God put the human whom God had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the human and put them in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the human, You may eat freely of every tree of the garden, 
but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Then God said, It is not good that the human should be alone. I will make them a helper as their partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the human to see what the human would call them. And whatever the human called every living creature, that was its name. The human gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the human there was not found a helper as their partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the human, and they slept. Then God took one of the human's ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the human, God made into a woman and brought her to the human. Then the human said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. The serpent said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and then you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree? of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. They will strike your head, and you will strike their heel. To the woman God said, 
I will greatly increase your pangs in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to the man God said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made garments of skins for the man and for his wife and clothed them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you join me in prayer? O oh, gracious God, on this day when we hear these ancient stories, speak afresh to us today. Help us to hear you calling to us, encouraging us, connecting us to you and to each other and to this creation that you love. Help us to see, hear, and feel you in new ways this morning. We pray this in your name, O Christ. Amen. Well, as I record this sermon, um, I can look out the windows of our church building and I see the yellow haze that has been settling over our city for the last several days. I can see the smoke, I can smell it here in the sanctuary, and uh, I know many of you have been um, facing um, the smoke. Uh, some of you have evacuated from your own homes as we are aware of the very real danger and presence of the fires in our midst. This, of course, is on top of a pandemic that is already raging, protests that continue to go on in our city. It's on top of back-to-school uh, arrangements for many families and an election that is right around the corner. I don't really want to think about what more 2020 is going to throw at us. But it's a scary time, and it's a challenging time, and it's a difficult time. And it's also a time that just makes me so grateful to have faith and have connections to God and to all of you and to be reminded of our connections to uh, the creation around us. In our story this morning, um, we remember the beginnings of a story that is still going on. It's a narrative that is still being written that grounds us in connection to God and to each other and to creation and calls us to nurture and reclaim and stand up for that connection in our lives. And it is with God's help that we can find our way forward in this time and in this ongoing story. Now, today's uh, scripture, it's a huge one. We could spend days unpacking little parts of the story, but what I want to do is look at how the arc of the story is just instructive for us. 
not only for the biblical narrative as a whole, but really for our own lives and some of the situations that we find ourselves in at this time in 2020. Now, back in August, uh, both John Aney and I uh, preached as part of our uh, summer series. And um, we both referenced a metaphor from the theologian Richard Rohr, who talks about the spiritual journey as a movement from um, order to disorder to reorder, with the idea that when, um, when we're born or when we come into the world, we understand a certain order to the world. We have a way of navigating the world. And then something happens that disrupts or brings about disorder in our world. And it could be anything from something personal, a trauma, an illness. It could be something societal or global. But it throws our understanding of the world um, into disorder, into chaos. And then only after we go through that do we begin to come to the other side, to a reordering, to a new way of moving in the world. And so um, John preached about this uh, with Job, the story of Job, who kind of loses everything and uh, still maintains his faith in God. And I uh, talked about this in the story of um, the resurrection and Jesus coming to the disciples uh, on the afternoon of Easter and beginning that reordering process for them. But as I read our story this morning, it just struck me that once again, here is that order disorder and the beginnings of reorder. We see that order in the story that we hear in creation about how the world is made, that disorder in and what we know as the fall, and then we begin to see the glimpses of that reorder, which I will argue today is still unfolding in our world. Another way that you could think about the story as I'll be talking about this morning is moving from connection to disconnection uh, to reconnection. And so I want to invite us to walk through these movements as we hear them in this story and in our lives. Well, in the sense, we start our story with, um, with the order, with the connection of creation. In our story, God is this wonderful improvisational God who is a hands-on creator and creates uh, the first human, Adam, out of the mud or the dirt, the Adama. And God is just uh, in there putting this all together and then God breathes on this Adam the very breath of God. And that being becomes a living being. And we talked about the same breath being what Jesus breathed on the disciples at Pentecost on Easter afternoon when they are locked away. It's the same breath that uh, God breathed in Ezekiel's vision of the valley of the dry bones. It's the life-giving breath, the animating breath of God. And so from the very beginning of creation, there is this close relationship between human beings and God, this close connection. Not only that, but we see in the creation story a deep connection to creation. Um, <clears throat> the story goes that God builds this beautiful garden uh, puts human beings in there with all kinds of trees and plants for living. And the human's role is to uh, till it and keep it. Now the translation here doesn't do as much justice to the Hebrew words. A better translation for till might be to serve uh, the garden. And to keep it has um, more the connotations of like protecting or guarding. And so from the very beginning, humans are called not simply to garden or cultivate the garden, 
but to serve creation, to care for it, to nurture it, to work for its flourishing, to protect it, and to guard it. So from the very beginning, there's this deep connection to God and this deep connection to creation. But that's not all. Uh, as the story goes on, that Adam was kind of wandering around there, taking care of the gardens. Um, and it says God realized that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, that Adam was lonely. And so um, God says, I will create a helper, a partner for this human. Now, this isn't a subservient kind of partner. This is a, an equal partner, someone to, to share in this mission of caring for creation. And so uh, God got back in the dirt and started whipping up all kinds of animals, oxes and hippopotamuses and eagles and wood thrushes, and each one bringing to the human and saying, what about this? What about this? And uh, that Adam figure would, would name, uh, name the animal, be, be like, no, not this one, until finally God created the second human, the fellow human. And when God brought that other person before Adam, uh, he says, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And what he recognized was a fellow human, someone who mirrored back himself, someone who had so much similarity, more similarity than difference. And so there was a sense of deep connection. And this is uh, not so much about gender, I think, as it is about that sense of common humanity, seeing each other as similar, as connected, as reflecting each other back to ourselves, to the point that they are naked and not ashamed. In other words, the bottom line is that in creation, there is deep connection. There is deep vulnerability. There is deep mutuality between God and humans, between humans with each other, between humans and creation. And God invites human beings to be the co-nurturers, the co-creators of this flourishing of creation. So this is the beginning. This is the order. This is that primal a place of connection. But then, of course, comes the disconnection. It starts because while God creates human beings with this expansive freedom, it, this freedom isn't boundless. There are some limits to it. And as the story goes, uh, there is a limit to the creatureliness in the sense that um, everything in the garden is theirs. Everything you need is here for life, food, relationships, purpose. You can have all of it but just don't eat from this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, there's no parallel for this particular tree in ancient literature. There's a lot of speculation about what it means. Some think it's ethical knowledge, knowing what's good and what's bad. Um, but more than that, it seems to have something to do with how one discerns one's best interest, how to do what is best for oneself. Up until Adam and Eve eat from that tree, they are doing what is best for the flourishing of creation. They are part of that, that web of life where they are working for that mutual creation. But when they eat from the tree, when they take matters into their own hands, what happens 
is that they suddenly become self-aware. It says their eyes are open. Suddenly they know and realize that they are naked. And it says they are full of fear and shame. What happens is they are now guided by self-interest. And suddenly things like judgment, including self-judgment, shame, blame, difference, and disconnection enters the picture. Where they once were connected to God, now they feel the need to hide from God, um, ostensibly from nakedness, but also because they know something has, is wrong, something has been broken in the relationship. They also experience disconnection from each other as human beings. Um, Adam goes from saying, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, to pointing at, at Eve and saying, that woman, and blaming God because you gave me that woman. And then there is, uh, and I, Eve does it too, actually. She blames uh, the serpent, right? It's somebody else's fault. But then there is also the disconnection from creation. And we see this in the consequences of their actions, which to me is not so much about God's judgment as it is about what happens when they push beyond the limits um, that are set for them and that really that are set for us. So whereas Adam and Eve were able to cultivate the land where they could talk with animals, uh, now there is enmity between human beings and the earth, between human beings and creation. The land is more difficult to till. There is now pain and suffering, or more pain and suffering in the world. An imbalance has entered the world. There's now difference. There's us and them. There's a hierarchy of power where now it says uh, the man shall rule over the woman. There is now power over instead of power with. This is the disconnection and the disruption between humans and God and humans and each other. And this is often what is referred to as um, sin. The word sin is never mentioned in this passage, but the idea is here. And that is that if creation is meant to be this beautiful connection between God and humans and humans with each other and humans and creation, then sin is that which disconnects us, which pulls us apart, which makes us uh, want to other other people, and which makes us seek power over instead of power with. Sin essentially is reaching beyond the limits and seeking our own self-interest instead of the mutual interest of creation and its flourishing. And really, I think, um, that is what we are seeing today in our world. We're seeing the, the ongoing effects. I mean, this is how the stories were used to help explain what's going on in our world now. And if we think about that for us, I mean, we can, we can think about um, the smoke that I see outside right now, the fires, right? We know that's indicative of climate change. And climate change is um, the result of humanity far overreaching our limits, overreaching our limits of consumption, of extracting resources from the earth, of seeking our own interest instead of the mutual flourishing and interest of creation. And it's all as we're seeing to the detriment of creation, and especially to, um, to the earth, to animals, and to humans, and particularly those who are uh, most vulnerable and often most marginalized. 
this connection, this disconnection, this disorder. Um, we can also see it in the white supremacy that continues to be rampant in our culture. In fact, you've probably heard white supremacy and racism is often referred to as the original sin of our country. Um, this is a legacy that has been handed on to us in the forms of structural racism and redlining and economic inequality and voter suppression, and racial profiling and police brutality and more. And all of it disconnects us to one another. As a culture, we've been taught um, to look at other races or other ethnicities and not say bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, but rather those people, that person. It's us and them. And we end up seeking power over instead of power with. There are other disorders, there are other dysfunctions that we could talk about, but we know this well. Um, but what the good news of our story is, and the good news of our passage this morning is, is that this is actually not the end of the story. Disconnection is not the end of the story. Disorder is not the end of the story. Sin is not the end of the story. Because the God that we have is the God of love and the God of life and the God of reconciliation and the God of reconnection. And this is the God that we see even in our story today. That the God who created us and loved us, who set limits for our own good, even when we pushed past those limits, God still showed up with love. Not with anger, not with blame, not with fulfilling words, you will die but rather improvising once again and trying to help humanity find our way. It says that after Adam and Eve um, ate uh, of the fruit, it says their eyes were open and they knew. They knew they had done something wrong. They were vulnerable in a whole new way and they began to cover themselves up. And we think about it in our own lives, how often are we trying to cover ourselves up, right? Hide our vulnerability. But God doesn't stay away. God doesn't leave them alone in their shame and their fear. Instead, God comes walking right through that garden and walks right up to them and calls them out and says, come out from hiding. And God invites them to speak their truth, to say what it is that they've done. And while God pronounces consequences, God doesn't curse them or smite them or, or wipe them out. But rather, God reminds them of their mission. They are still to be co-creators, even if it will be harder now to care for the earth and the world. And then it says, God sews them proper garments, no longer fig leaves, but <clears throat> God gives them loincloths and things to keep them safe and warm and sends them on their way to live into the new world order. In other words, God will continue to be with them. God will continue to equip them to be these co-creators. And they are still called to seek that flourishing of creation. Well, this is really what we're going to see as we continue to walk through the narrative lectionary. This is the arc of the scriptural story. It's the arc of our faith story. In many ways, it's the arc of our own faith journeys. That um, God creates us out of love, creates us for this flourishing, 
And so often we end up choosing things that lead to disconnection. We mess up in some way. And while there are consequences for that, God still comes and calls us back and calls us back into connection with God and with each other and with creation. And we're going to see that calling back happen again and again, not just as we walk through the Hebrew scriptures, but as we get into the life of Jesus, we think about Jesus preaching the kingdom of God, justice and mercy and love, basically all those things that are about connection and inclusion and love and recognition and flourishing. And God invites us to be creators in that and equips us with the spirit to work for that. And so that we are still called to continue this work. We are still in that process of helping to reorder and reconnect our lives and the world around us. And that's where we stand today. We acknowledge the very real ways that we are disconnected from God and from each other and creation. But we also acknowledge that we are called to be co-creators. And that story is still unfolding. The good news is we don't do this work alone. If it was left up just to us, it would be completely overwhelming. But we have a God who works with us, who empowers us, who loves us, who equips us, who helps connect us to each other. A God who is improvisational and used to getting in the dirt with us and helping us be creative and who stands on the side of justice and love and connection and will anchor us and inspire us and connect us and encourage us. And so this is what we will be looking at and yearning for and leaning into in this year ahead. Every year at church, we uh, choose a theme as a guide for our year. And this year uh, at our council retreat, we chose the theme standing up as people of faith because we realize there is so much that we can stand up for in our world when it comes to deeper connections with God and with each other and with uh, creation. And particular to that theme, we're also going to have a focus on anti-racism this year as we try to um, lean into dismantling that white supremacy that continues to impact our country, our state, our church, and our own hearts. And so in the coming weeks, you're going to hear more about this theme and how we can stand up as people of faith and how we can live into our roles as co-creators with God, um, seeking that reconnection and that reordering that God calls us to. Friends, we are not alone. God is with us, and the story is still being written. So may we be part of this unfolding story, and may we continue to work for connection and for the flourishing of creation. Amen.